Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast, where we meet every Friday evening for worship at the Loma Linda University Church for young adults by young adults. We hope this encourages you and someone else you know. Enjoy. Welcome to Night Church, friends. So glad to have you here. My name is Philip. If you're brand new here tonight, can you raise your hand if you might be here for the first time? Couple. Ooh, nice, 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 nice. Hey, we're so glad to have you here. My prayer is, and that of our team, that this will become a home to you. And more than that, also, that you would find Jesus, encounter the kingdom and that you would find a place where you can also plug in to give your gifts and talents in this work. Well, I'm really excited about this series, His Grace, Our Struggles, My Struggles, His Grace, because we're really focusing on kind of a continuation from the Old Testament series that our elders did this last year to now going into the New Testament and looking at some of the key characters besides Jesus. We're going to kind of talk about him all throughout. We're not going to do one just on him. But some of the other characters, and in particular, we're going to focus on these characters because they showcase the reality of life. I love the Bible for a few reasons. And one of the reasons I really enjoy the Bible is because it's actually an honest, authoritative book on the things of God. Why do I know that? Well, if you read any other ancient kind of histories and different books and theologies of other faith groups, there's almost like this cleaning up that happens. You kind of, you know, when someone's about to come to your house and you're like, oh, shoot, I got the underwear on the floor, I got this stuff in the sink, I got, I got to clean up really good. And you clean up everything and, it's like, and you're sweating, you're like, hey, welcome. My goodness, your home is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's always like this. And it's like, that's not reality. Reality is like when my neighbor came over to my house last week. And Dr. Jocelyn, she's kind of babysitting her grandson, and, and she's like, oh, Max wants to see Petra and John Philip. I'm like, okay. And she walks through the door, and it was reality. I mean, stuff was everywhere. Mashed up banana in the floor, things on the ground, clothes over here, poopy diaper, the cat litter wasn't cleaned. It was reality. That's what her house is like, pretty much probably I'm being really confessional right now, Lena, if you're watching, forgive me, like 80% of the time, that's what it's like. And then when we have a party or something, you know, it's like, wow, it's so nice. It is nice. We're really glad. And I hope you clean up after you leave. But the Bible is like when you come into a house that's not clean. The Bible tells the real story of the lives of people who just bear it all. They tell the story of their real, genuine life. Flawed, imperfect, broken. Sounds almost just like you and I. It's the story of our life. Another thing we could have called this series is the story of our lives. That is the scriptures. And the honest thing is the Bible is so that I can really trust in it because it tells me a flawed story. Usually when you read some of these other stories, they're polished, they're cleaned, but the Bible doesn't do that. And I think there's three reasons why it does that. 
Number one, God wants his people to find themselves in scripture. He wants you and me to attach ourselves to a character and be like, man, that's my life. That's who I am. The other reason I believe that the Bible does that is because God values authenticity. People who are always kind of putting up the facade, you know, when you come to church and you kind of dress up, put a little cologne and, bro, what's up? Looking good, nice. But you were stinky an hour before. There are times when we do that appropriately. We're coming into society. We're moving into spaces where, hey, it's just appropriate to shower. You know, it's like, anyways, I won't make fun of my kids anymore. I won't do that. But it's like, listen, that's a good thing. But the Bible also values, in this sense, spiritually, when we can be true to our condition, our fallen condition. When we walk into spaces always putting on the mask and never revealing the genuine brokenness of our soul and heart, we walk around telling a lie. Now, sometimes people are extremely confessional, and they just tell the truth. You know that person that's like, man, TMI, bro, TMI. Why you got to be telling us everything all the time? I, I don't need to know that. But this is the thing. The Bible, though, values an authentic understanding of who we are, that we are broken people. And the last reason why I believe the Bible does that is because, thirdly, when we can be our true selves, we can find our healing in the one who is perfect. Jesus. 1 John 1, 8, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Come on. That's the space we want to be in. And so this series is going to highlight our elders preaching and teaching the rest of the summer, sharing the gospel through the genuine lives and characters in the Bible. Tonight we jump into a story that I really, really love. Our pastoral team actually covered it this week, and I was like, man, it is just so rich. We're looking at the life of a fisherman. It wasn't like an educated person. The fishermen were pretty much the bottom of the class. These were individuals who weren't called to study with the rabbi. They were like, yeah, dude, you definitely don't know how to read or write, and you don't really know how to be very critical in your thinking. Probably not going to ask you to follow and study under me. Why don't you go catch some fish? Okay, fine. I don't know how many of you ever walk into spaces around Loma Linda. You're like, dude, I'm not in medicine. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a PT. I don't know. And you just feel out of place. That was the fisherman. And so here we jump into the story of someone who was a fisherman. Catch the story with me now beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, jump in here with me with your Bible. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Wouldn't it be incredible if you just open your Bible in a random place and people were like, bro, what are you reading? The Bible? I want to be around you for a moment. I want to hear this. The people started crowding around Jesus because they heard something that resonated deeply with their soul. But now catch the different group that's there. And he saw at the water's edge two boats 
left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. These fishermen were obviously not part of the crowd. They didn't have time to be sitting there listening to the word of God. They didn't have time to be doing that. They were busy. Some of you know those seasons in your life where you're just busy and you're like, I don't know if I have even a minute to like do anything for myself. I don't have time to even watch a TV show. I don't have time to really eat. You just kind of starve yourself. It's just a busy season. These fishermen were exhausted. They didn't have time, the luxury to sit there listening to God. He got into their, one of their boats and the one belonging to Simon called Peter. And he asked him to put the boat out a little bit at the shore. And there he sat down and he taught the people at the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, listen, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. The title of my sermon today is actually that very phrase, because you say so. I don't know how many of you have been in positions in life where you've just been in a season of struggle. It's been tough. It's been rough. To say the least, you are a different person because of what you went through. It's hard when you do something really, really challenging and find failure at the end of the road. A good friend of mine spent a lot of her time getting an education at Loma Linda to find literally at the last kind of finish line it felt like. She couldn't pass Professors were like, I'm so sorry. It's not going to work for you. This career is not cut out for you. <sighs> but the loans, the dream of doing this, the life I was expecting, not for you. I don't know how many of you know the story of Peter's life, but he was a fisherman who was one who experienced a lot of struggle. Being a fisherman, he was not accepted in society as being someone who was very smart, not someone who was valued for what he could bring. And he was someone who, as the text points out, spent all night struggling to catch fish, to provide for his family, to give something of significance to the marketplace, to find a value that, hey, someone knows me. I, I did something. Didn't do anything. Didn't have anything. He was exhausted. And there in this place, he looked at this guy that everyone seemed to respect, and he said, because you say so, I'll do it. In this season in your life, there are a few people that I want you to trust. It's really hard because as young adults, we don't really trust the government. Younger generations, man, they're the least kind of believing in the United States government, the governments in general, at least to believe kind of even preachers and teachers, at least to believe kind of authorities. And sometimes people would say even we doubt common sense. We kind of go by our feelings in some way. But here, I want you to remember there are a few groups of people as a believer that you must be able to say, I'll go with you. I'll do it. 
The first one is not necessarily a person, but it's a relationship that you can have with a person through it, and that's this. Some of us approach the Bible through a kind of guilt-driven relationship. If you've been like me, man, you kind of have that guilt-driven relationship with your devotional life. I know I'm supposed to be reading. I know I'm supposed to be praying. Oh, goodness, Lord. And you haven't picked up a Bible in like months, weeks, or you just see it on the text on the weekend. But if someone were to ask you, could you recite a couple verses? You're like, hmm. John 3, 16? That one doesn't count. Everyone knows that one. Uh, And there's this toxic, guilt-driven relationship that we have with God, that we can't develop a sense of trust and belief in the Word. So when you hear something preached on a weekend, or you experience a teaching or a Bible study, and someone shares something convicting, it kind of goes in one ear, you have this warm feeling, but it doesn't actually lead to life transformation. Why? Because you didn't establish a sense of trust in the word. One of the first things that we have to do when we approach the Bible is to have one of those relationships in which when the word says it, you kind of have to get to a place where, Lord, I need to understand this. And then after you understand it, friend, you got to apply it. You got to trust it. And you got to move in that direction with it. I don't know how many of you have one of those relationships with your money where it's like, bro, I don't have a lot of it, but I definitely ain't giving it to the church. And yet, what does the Bible talk about? How have you robbed me? The book of Malachi. With your tithes and offerings. Speaking to a world in which people didn't have a lot. And yet, God called them to give sacrificially. Why? Because he blessed them with everything they had. So when we hear text when it talks about money, or we hear a text when it talks about relationships, some of us kind of look at those things skeptically. Like, I mean, it might apply for you, but not for me. But if you say so, I will do it. Peter, looking at Jesus, trusts him. For one reason or another, he trusts him. For some of us, we would look at Peter and we'd say, bro, you're crazy. You just spent all night, 12 hours in the middle of the night. That's when they would fish, to catch the fish. Because the summer would come out, they would go into the deep to be in the cool there in the Middle East. But because he trusted him, He was willing to take that risk. The first person he trusts here in this evening or in this morning is Jesus. And what happens? Look at the text now again. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled boats, both the boats full, he began to sink. It was at this point, Simon Peter, Peter fell at Jesus' knees and said, before I read what he said, you capture what Jesus did here for Peter? He gave him a reason to trust now. And I think that's kind of the second layer of why sometimes we don't trust the word, we don't trust maybe religious figures and different people. They don't give us a reason to trust them. When it comes to the scriptures, I want to give you a reason why you should trust it. Because when God wrote the word, 
through humans, men and women, over 40 different authors, over a period of 1,600 years, there was one thread that went through all of it, and that was Jesus and his blessing that he wants to kind of leave in your life. The word of God is intended to speak a word of encouragement, a word of healing, a word of hope, and help you guide your life. And so Peter, in this moment now, just kind of taking that risk, okay, fine, I'll trust you, now receives the blessing of that trust. Now experiences, man, whoa, I didn't expect this to happen. I'm so glad that you've been listening to the first part of the sermon. This sort of production does require some financial cost. If you'd like to reach more young adults with this across the world, would you consider giving at praxisministry.org? You can select the Praxis Young Adult Envelope. Enjoy the rest of the sermon. I don't know how many of you have ever kind of just been blessed by someone. Just someone just like, hey, Here's, here's a little something, just to care for you. On a birthday or a holiday or some other time, there was a lady who just blessed our family in a big way. Her name was Miss Whitehouse. We didn't really trust a lot of people. We were immigrants to this country. We didn't have much. Honestly, really very little. There were times my dad would come back from Chicago working construction and people took advantage of my dad didn't pay him at the end of the job. This was money that he needed to literally feed our family for that week. My mom didn't really have a job. My brother and sister, they were in high school. I, a little kid, we didn't trust people always very much. They're gonna lead us astray. But my God had a, my dad had a faithful trust in God though. And he knew that the Lord would bless our family regardless of our situation. And there was this one lady that just kinda kept coming close to our family in, in just meaningful ways throughout kind of our existence when we were living there in Andrews University. And this was the first time we met her. It was kind of getting a colder season there in Michigan. That happens a little bit sooner than here. And we got a knock on the door this one Sabbath afternoon, and there was Mrs. Whitehouse. We'd never met this woman. She had two bags of food, and she had an envelope. And there inside that envelope was $100 and two bags of food. To some of you, are like, well, what's the big deal about that? It was huge for us. It was huge for our family. And we started to trust this woman that she was actually a blessing to our life. This woman then provided a job for my brother. He would go over to her on the weekends and do odd ends and jobs for her in cleaning and doing construction work. Later on, she even began, we began to trust her even more. And man, this woman ended up helping pay my brother's school bill at the academy. And I mean, it just went on and on. This, this woman that kind of warmed her way into our life ended up becoming such a huge blessing to us. That is who Jesus becomes to Peter. Someone who he kind of inches into his life in a little way. He sees someone doing something meaningful. And he's like, maybe I'll trust them. Okay. And boom, then he's blessed in a big way. I mean, the amount of money of what they actually earned here was significant. Some scholars say it was like as if he had given them $10,000 cash. The amount of fish that they caught to sell would have paid for years worth of wages for 
I mean, it is incredible what they were given. But the story doesn't end here. Now Peter begins to see this man is legit. Not only is he just someone he can trust, but there's something miraculous about him. And he senses something falling to his knees. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they were take, had taken in. And so were James and John, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, hey, listen, don't be afraid. For now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything to follow him. This Peter, this guy who in many ways didn't trust Jesus, finds himself being astonished by the blessing that he became in his life. So much so that then Peter became ashamed because now he realized he wasn't just with any guy. He was with God himself. I don't know how many of you have a kind of a strange relationship with someone in your life that has hurt you. I remember hearing the story of a young man who just had a horrible relationship with his father. I mean, this guy was so abusive, so toxic, so manipulative. The story happens that he didn't see his dad for almost 10 years, and the last time he saw him was when he was 14, and he ran away from home because it was just so bad. And he sees him later in life, and not saying anything but like, son, it's been so good to see you. Forgive me for the ways that I've misled you. It was, hey, do you have some money? I'm struggling. Ah. That wasn't who Jesus was to Peter. Jesus, unfortunately, to Peter was that guy who felt shame for what he had done. He felt hurt realizing that God you see everything who I am. You told me to put my, net, my nets out. I didn't believe you, but now I trust you because you see exactly who I am. You can look through me. It's like the Marvel comics, those who can kind of, those superpowers, they see through someone. I don't know who that guy was that can see through things. What is that? Superman do that? All right, maybe he can do that too, okay. Well, that's Jesus. He's sick Superman. He sees right through us. Literally in this moment, Peter feels naked and, unash and, and ashamed in front of him. In the very beginning of the Bible, we see that Adam and Eve felt naked and unashamed. Here, Peter feels naked and fully ashamed. God, you see everything that I've done. You know who I am. I'm not worthy of your blessing. Peter doesn't stop here, though. If I could give you just kind of some quick, succinct snapshots of his life, the first one is this call to be a fisher of humanity. And then the second thing is we see a big moment when Peter walks on the water and fails, literally, as he starts to doubt God, this God who provided for him and then helps him walk. And he's like, ah, I'm seeing the storm I'm in, and he starts to sink. We see then Peter again being called to make kind of a statement when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, I am believing that you are the son of God. And he says, you are blessed, my friend. And upon you, I'll build my church. We see another snapshot of his life when he says, God, I am not going to deny you. Anyone and everyone else around me, they're going to deny you, but not me, Lord. There's no way that I'll do that. And then when we see the sad reality there in John, we're now... Peter does deny him. He denies him three times. 
I don't know that guy. I remember when there was a school dance in high school. I faked being sick because I didn't want to be at the school dance because that school dance, my parents drew the stick to be the chaperones. I don't want to be around them. Are you kidding me? I'm sick. I'm sick, guys. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I was probably embarrassed by how I wanted to dance, but anyways. This guy denies Jesus, and now he's given an opportunity in the book of John at the very end of the book. What I want to kind of just end with you here as the band comes up. Jesus looks there at Peter in verse 15. And when they had finished eating, they kind of had this barbecue on the sea. Jesus had resurrected. Jesus had shown himself to them. And now he was there at the end of his life. And he is about to leave. But he wants to have one more encounter with Peter in particular. And he says to Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? He says, of course, Lord. Then feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, I, I do love you, Lord. Well, then take care of my sheep. He looks at him again. He says, Simon, do you love me? Peter, now the third time, is hurt. Do you love me? Lord, you know, again, all things. You know that I love you. You see through me. You know my love for you. This season right here now ends with this beautiful rendition. Well, then feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will be stretched out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead to you to where you don't want to go. And here Jesus, prophetically speaking into Peter's life, tells him how he one day will be killed. He's crucified. He dies. I don't know how many of you might feel as though Jesus kind of sees right through you and can see the sinful person that maybe you feel like you are. The reality is that each one of us is like Peter. We have seasons of doubt. We don't want to trust the word. We have seasons of doubt. We don't want to trust certain people in our life. We have seasons where we don't feel worthy in front of God or others for that matter. But here the story emerges that Peter doesn't end with this kind of moment of just feeling broken and hurt by God because he sees who he really is. Because the final story of Peter's life is in the book of Acts chapter 3. And there we see a courageous man who for 34 more years after that moment that he had with Jesus on the seashore, this flawed disciple, becomes a faithful follower as he's empowered by God to realize I don't care if you're broken because my grace is sufficient for you my grace fills your space of need your hurt your pain your season of struggle God fills that with his presence and gives you a promise hey don't worry you might not be proud of who you are now but I know who you're going to be. And Jesus prophetically looks into the future and sees his death, but he also realizes to you and me it's a beautiful death because he had followed Christ for so many years, led literally the early church to its incredible expansion around the Greco-Roman world. This guy who was flawed now becomes this faithful follower of Jesus. Flawed but faithful. And that's our story. We are flawed, and yet we can walk in faithfulness. You don't have to feel guilty for what you've done. 
day in and day out. Whether it's a guilty relationship with your walk with the Lord, it's a guilt relationship maybe you have with something that you've done, or your family, or just something in your life where you're just embarrassed about. It doesn't matter. Because God knows the end of your story, and your end is a beautiful one. And my prayer is that you would choose to walk with Jesus. Walk in faithfulness in this moment right now to take that first step of just saying, God, I don't know this year didn't start out the way I wanted it to. But Lord, I want to take that next faithful step with you. But if you say so, Lord, I'll do it. And so tonight I want to ask you as we close, what God, might God be calling you to do this week? this season, this summer? What's that next faithful step that you're called to make right now in your life? For Peter, it was just an acknowledgement that he's broken and he's in need. I don't know what it is for you, but what I do know is that we serve such a good God that is merciful and gracious, that looks past your flaws and just urges you on to take that next faithful step with him. That's the life of Peter. Thank you so much for listening to the Night Church Podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. And if you have, maybe you can share this with a friend. If you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow us on social media at Praxis Ministry or come visit us in Loma Linda on a Friday evening. We'll see you in the next episode.